1: my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. Now we went through about an eight-week period in the spring where I didn't talk at all about new travel deals. People were not interested in booking or going anywhere and all the questions I took about travel were about complaints from people who couldn't get refunds for travel canceled by suppliers and various issues involved with not being able to get your money or talk to anybody. Well one of the things that came up repeatedly were the problems with travel insurance And now that people are booking travel again, not in numbers like before, but a meaningful number of people are starting to book travel, especially a lot of people booking trips and cruises for 2021. And that brings up the question and role of trip insurance or travel insurance. Number one, rule number one, Never, 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 not ever, buy the trip coverage offered by an airline on their website when you were at checkout. The airlines charge way too much for it, and you get basically no meaningful benefits from buying it. The airlines are putting garbage before you. Same thing's true with cruise lines. Don't buy the trip coverage that the cruise lines offer. Always buy an independent policy. And so how do you do that? And what do you look for? Well, one thing you should know that was very clear in the spring is that trip insurance policies specifically had in their language almost all of them That the policies did not cover pandemics. So you'd paid this money for the insurance thinking you were getting peace of mind, and instead you got nothing. Another insult to people's intelligence is that if your travel was canceled, not by you, but by the supplier, and you had booked a cruise and no cruises were going, you'd booked a flight and the flight was canceled, or a tour and it was canceled the insurers won't give you back your money for the policy you bought even though the trip you were taking became essentially voided so it's a lot of money you pay generally uh, somewhere starting if you are are buying from Costco travel you pay the lowest premiums for trip insurance usually starting at just under four percent but more typically in the marketplace five and a half percent or more of the cost of the trip the if you're making a decision though about buying travel pretty decently in the future I have a big bias right now and that is because of all the exclusions and limitations in trip insurance policies only buy a policy that you pay more for that includes the right to cancel for any reason if you buy cancel for any reason insurance you are not going to get back all your money otherwise that would create a moral hazard but generally you get 75 percent of your money back and I think 75 is a decent compromise if you buy a trip for four thousand dollars for a family trip and you end up not being able to go for whatever reason even if the reason that you have is a legit one but excluded by the policy you'll still get back $3,000 to $4,000. Be aware some cancel for any reason policies only give you 50% coverage. That to me is not sufficient. Make sure you're getting one that gets you to 75%. There are sources where you can shop multiple insurance companies for policies. Ensure my trip is the big player in that, but if you have another one you like better, you can look to shop there also. It's time for your questions you posted at clark.com slash ask. And producer Kim, who do you have a question from?
0: This is from Dee, Dee in Wisconsin. Dee, Dee says, I'd like to get a second line for my cell phone. Can Clark help me understand the differences between apps like Google Voice and others? I work from home and I'm establishing a new legal business that doesn't have its own phone number yet. I don't want to start giving out my clients my personal number, but at this point I don't want a landline either. I just want a separate number for work calls and texts that don't have to go to my current cell phone number. And on a separate note, these apps suggest that they're also good for setting up a number for dating, for selling online, for giving to stores, etc. Wasn't my initial reason for looking into it, but should I get a third number for those situations?
1: (laughs) Well, there are lots of people who have any of a number of phone numbers, and some of the cell phone carriers have programs where you can get a second number assigned to you for an uh, occasional, depending on what rate plan you're on, you can get a second number for free. In others, you may pay a small token amount per month to have a second number. And the reason that they don't overprice this is because of Google Voice, which you mentioned, which gives you the ability to have additional numbers for free, and it's something that a lot of people for any of a number of reasons will have a google voice number one that has become very popular of late to have a google voice number is to deal with people who would do SIM hijacking where they steal your sim service so they can then steal your money by being the source of the two-factor authentication you pretty much eliminate that problem if you set up a Google Voice number as your two-factor authentication number. So even if somebody hijacks your cell phone service, they're still not going to have the ability to steal your two-factor authentication because you're using
2: that Google Voice number. Joel? Clark Sherrill in Florida says, I recently received some money from an injury suit, and I'm in need of a car. So can I get a better price by paying in cash for that new vehicle? First
1: of all, I'm really sorry that you had an injury that led to a settlement. Second, never, 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 ever tell a car dealer that you are a cash buyer until after you've already negotiated the complete parameters of your deal. Car dealers finance about 80% of the vehicles they sell, and they usually make more profit on the financing than they do on the actual sale of the vehicle so when you tell a dealer that you're a cash buyer they already know that you are not going to be a very profitable customer for them if at all so they may not be as um, forthcoming with a good deal for you if they know you're paying cash so that's something you hold close you hold those cards close Until you're at the point where you are doing the finance part of the deal. Kim?
0: Mike in Arkansas says, I rarely hear you talk about them, but 20 years ago, I made the mistake of getting a 20-year return of premium cancer policy. That term is ending, and a lady that I work with said she had to fill out some paperwork to get the premium money back, and I'm wondering if there are any gotchas I need to know about on the front end, Or is it just as easy as filling out some paperwork?
1: I would be surprised if there's any con in that. Because the key with one of those policies is you've gone through the 20-year cycle without making any claims for cancer care or treatment. And so that's the test that creates the opportunity for the return of premium. So congrats to you that you have been cancer free and remain so and you should be good to go and I, I mean I would look around do, a, do an online search with DuckDuckGo or Google. I'd prefer to use DuckDuckGo so you don't get confused with any uh, weird ad responses but see if anybody's had any problems getting that money back on a return of premium policy. And just so others are aware, it is a small part of the any type of term insurance like term life insurance. There are players that offer return a premium that if you pay by, a, let's say, a 20, 30-year level term policy, that as long as you pay all through those years and you stay alive, they give you all your money back. The thing is you pay a higher premium through those years you still get a nice, effective return on your money, and what the insurer's counting on is most people flake out and never keep a term policy for the full 20 or 30 years. If you're somebody who's really disciplined, then this may be an opportunity for you to get some embedded return on your money. Joel?
2: Clark Steve in Illinois says, My employer matches 50 cents on the dollar to my 401k plan on contributions up to 6% of my salary. They recently made their match available for Roth 401k plans in addition to traditional ones. Historically, I've contributed to a traditional 401k and a separate Roth IRA, but have switched all my 401k contributions recently to Roth. So, given that I have the 401k, uh, the Roth 401k vehicle in place, Is there any long-term benefit to continuing my Roth IRA contributions, or should I focus all that money into the Roth 401k option?
1: That's a great question. So the way you would make that decision is if the 401k plan has lower management fees than the uh, Roth IRA you have, then yes, do the 401k. If the Roth Roth IRA has lower costs, then stick with it. I mean the expenses are really the key determinant here and if you've got a very very low cost 401k where you work then you've got this double advantage they automatically are taking the money from your paycheck every month so you don't have to do anything and you've got the money in there without meaning to get around to it but not quite getting it done.
2: This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com.
1: Michelle joins us on The Clark Howard Show. Hello, Michelle. How are you doing? Hi, Clark. It's such a pleasure to speak with you. I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. So you're a Floridian ready to have a
3: pool. I am. I uh, love the beach, um, but I would like to have a pool. I'm uh, 57 years old. I'm counting down to retirement. I have um, a grandbaby and some, some grown children, and I'd like to have them come over and be able to relax by the pool. So, Something I've always wanted, and so we are making a plan to do that now.
1: Well, one of uh one of our staffers at Clark dot com is putting in a pool right now, and he's a Floridian as well. And hearing his stories about what's it like uh with the pool and building one, it it's a bit of a journey you have in front of you building that pool.
3: Yes. It is. And I and I actually have several companies coming by this week. I'm big on getting lots of quotes from people before I make a decision. I've already had one. They do a virtual pool, so you can kind of see it 3D. So um, I'm in that process. But before I start having people pull my credit, I don't know what is the best way to finance this. Do I have the pool company do it? Do I go to a credit union? Do I take money out of my 401k? So that's kind of where I am now. It's figuring out what is the best way to finance of
1: the options the last one definitely don't do don't pull money out of your 401k for the pool is this going to be about a forty thousand dollar pool or what do you think it's going to be
3: yeah i would say forty to fifty thousand is what we're looking
1: at all right so if you take out let's say fifty thousand dollar loan how many years Uh, do you think it would take you to pay back that fifty thousand dollar loan realistically
3: i'm thinking fifteen
1: okay and tell me your mortgage situation
3: our mortgage is 1500 a month
1: and how much do you owe versus what your property is worth and that kind of thing and what interest We just rate
3: bought, you bought a new house we just downsized because our, our grown children left so we had a two-story and we wanted a smaller home so we sold that house we took the money from the sale of that house and basically bought down all our debt so we're all we're pretty much debt free except for our home so um, we have about 20000 in equity in the new home, but we did uh, finance it because it is the lowest interest rate. So we said, why take all that money? Well, they're going to take it and pay off our debt with it.
1: Okay, so you so, eliminated the possibility I was interested in, which was uh, you know, mortgage rates being as low as they are, you refining that home and uh, doing a 15-year loan with the pool as part of it. So now I would like you to follow... The first thing you ask me, which is go talk to a loan officer at your credit union. Okay. And see what they see realistically as the lending environment they can offer you. And then if what they offer gives you a comparison point, or if they feel that they don't have a good product for you, you won't have that comparison. But hopefully you'll have it. And then you can compare what loan offers the various pool companies make pool companies expect more often than not that they're going to have to finance the construction of the pool that they're building for you so they tend to always have a lender with them but the loan terms unless the pool company buys down that loan the Mm -hmm. loan terms aren't going to be that great for you particularly wanting to borrow for 15 years so you know i would first see where the credit union takes you, and then what you're facing, not in a monthly payment, but what the terms and conditions are of a loan from the credit union or from one of the pool companies to see if this really is the right time in your life to build that pool. Okay. Depending on what you find out in terms of terms and conditions. Remembering that mortgage rates right now are around 3% for people with really solid credit, If they want to do a home improvement loan at like 9.9% for that length of period of time, that's a pretty ugly expense for you to take on for that uh, $50,000 pool. And I hope that the building of the pool process works out better for you than the, the narrative I've been hearing lately. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com and it's clear that out of bad things always good societal changes also emerge and an example of that is the decisions people are making about how and where to live in the midst of coronavirus and there are some trends going on that are the kind of things that it's some things have really fast-forwarded. Others are occurring that maybe wouldn't have ever. And examples of this are I have a relative who now lives in Florida working full-time for a company in Arizona, a company that never permitted people to work remotely, even a day a week. And now because of the pandemic, the companies really thought this through. And uh, and my relative went to Florida when all this happened and he stayed. And now they're like, yeah, this seems fine. And so uh, they're pulling up their Arizona roots completely and becoming permanent instead of temporary Florida residents. And all over the country, people are moving in numbers that we haven't seen in forever. And, you know, the number of people moving for a better opportunity somewhere else or a better life has been going down for a generation. Uh, People used to move a whole lot more often. And a lot of it was because of the emergence of two-income households where incomes have been far more equal in recent years if not some cases um, you know there's still disparity but overall there's more similarity in earnings and so it's created what they call the anchor spouse or anchor partner that people might have wanted to pick up and move but because of the job the other has they can't really pick up and move but now because of the ability for people more easily to work remotely people are who are in jobs that that works for are now relocating and creating an environment where they may be able to move from a really ultra high cost area to one with lower cost housing where they could buy a home where they couldn't have and where they were working before or they could be near family where they might not have been able to before and I just yesterday talked to someone who is moving to be within a few hours of an aging parent whose job had never really allowed that but now can. In addition I think there's going to be at least for a few years less traffic even after coronavirus in a lot of cities where traffic is a nightmare because employers will be more respectful of the idea of people not necessarily coming into an office job five days a week, uh, where a lot of employers have paid lip service to people working uh, from home a day a week or whatever. They haven't really meant it. Now as they've seen it actually work in real life, I think you'll see a lot of people who may go into one of those hybrid things where they come into the office two or three days a week but work from home other days of the week. Amazingly, it doesn't take a massive drop-off in the number of people commuting on a day to have a much easier time in traffic. And you see that in cities where there are larger numbers, of government employees who make up more holidays than people who work in, in, in the private sector and so those government employees represent just enough workers that when they're not commuting on that day it makes traffic much better for everybody else and I think all these trends are things that are not just for this moment I think they're part of our future picture. It's time for your questions here on The Clark Howard Show. And one of the ways you can ask your questions is to post at clark.com slash ask. And then producers, Kim and Joel, alternating, alternate asking your questions. And who's up now?
0: That would be me. And this is from Janet in Florida. Janet says, with tax time fast approaching, have you heard of any zero-fee, zero-interest payment plans from the federal government? With very little income so far this year, it's going to be difficult to pay what we owe from last year.
1: So the feds are not offering a zero interest plan for paying unpaid taxes, but there is actually good news. And that is, you file your return on time, you pay what you can, you can propose a payment plan to the IRS And the interest rate charged is ultra, ultra, ultra low right now because the IRS interest rate charged on unpaid taxes is a variable rate. And with interest rates in the economy being so low right now, what you have to pay on an unpaid balance in interest is not zero, but it's so down there that it's far lower than we probably pay on, virtually any other loan we have anywhere else and you think of it like an ultra low interest loan now paying your taxes to the IRS now if you propose a payment plan to the IRS and that plan calls for you getting your money to them in a year's time I think that you have no problem at all getting that plan approved and good luck to you with the work hours and pay picking up as we go through the second half of
2: 2020. Joel? Clark Marianne in Georgia says, we have a 2012 Nissan Rogue with 68,000 miles on it. Uh, The transmission now needs to be replaced, and there are lots of issues on the internet about these CVT Nissan transmissions, but they are saying that our warranty went out at 60,000 miles, and they will not help with the $5,200 in repairs. Do we have any recourse on this?
1: So that is just such a lousy story when you are just a whisker out of coverage based on mileage. Nissan has a reputation of not bending at all when you have gone even one mile outside of their mileage warranty. So I think it would be very hard to find your ability to apply pressure on that score the one hope you have is if you have prior service tickets on this problem with your vehicle uh, if it's been having ongoing issues that have been documented that's grounds potentially for you to uh, get the manufacturer to pay you might have to sue them in small claims court the amount in most jurisdictions would fit the requirements for filing a claim in small claims court but traditionally Nissan plays really hard with people on uh, any warranty claim that goes any time outside of covered years or miles now i will tell you that if you run into a complete brick wall you have no ability to get any concessions from Nissan what you should do is you should shop the repair and one particular place you should look for are independent shops that either specialize or one of the brands that they focus on being Nissan's you may be able to get that repair done for substantially less money than you're being quoted by a franchise dealer I'm really sorry that a vehicle with so few miles on it needs such a gigantic repair
0: Kim Ken in Illinois says, "I'm interested in paying for gas with GasBuddy in order to save up to 25 cents per gallon, but I am concerned about giving them my checking account number. It's the first time I've heard of something like this, and it all sounds a little fishy."
1: So the reason that GasBuddy has this, and a lot of independent fuel sellers now have their own um, tie-in debit card kind of things is because the biggest expense for most gas stations now is no longer labor costs or the real estate, running their stations, anything like that. It's the credit card fees they have to pay to Visa, MasterCard, American Express, and Discover. So the idea of these uh, cards that tie into your checking account is that it eliminates those costs so savings are passed on to you on the $0.25 a gallon I'm not sure that that is a sustained offer or just a teaser but that's why those things exist so the easiest way to protect yourself with a tie-in like that is open a separate checking account with one of the online banks put in money in it just for this kind of purpose and others like if you have a Venmo account or anything like that so that your main money that you need for your life is not potentially at risk from a hacker.
2: Joel? Clark William in Virginia says, I want to establish a credit history for my godson. He's 13, and I was wondering if adding him to my credit card count is a benef- beneficial way to do this. And should I add him to m- multiple cards or, or just one? What should I do? So
1: what you do is, this is very thoughtful of you, is you add your th- Uh, 13 year old you said godson
2: yes he did say godson
1: godson you add your godson as an authorized user don't even tell him you've done it don't give him the plastic but just by adding him as an authorized user with his social security number most issuers will in fact report that status to the credit bureau and it will create a credit standing and credit score and credit history for him and when he turns 18 he'll be able to apply for a credit card if he's got any part-time work that will draw on that credit history that at that point will now be five years old so it's a great thought. Kim?
0: Stella in Texas says, I contributed to my Roth IRA this year in January, full $6,000. Can I contribute another $1,000 after I turn 50 later this year?
1: So, Stella, I got great news for you. You don't even have to wait till after your birthday. In the year you turn 50, you're able to make the contributions at the higher limit that you're allowed to with a 401k, a Roth IRA, whatever. So it's based on the year of your birthday, not the date of your birthday itself. Otherwise, people who have an early in the year birthday would have an advantage with the 50 plus contribution thing versus people who have a birthday later in the year. So feel free to add that extra thousand and you can do it now, do it later. Just the great thing is you're thinking this way and you're looking to sock away as much money as you possibly can. Jen joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jen. Hi, Clark. Can you hear me? I sure can. Thank you so much for taking my call. Of course. How can I serve you today?
4: Uh, We've got about a year's worth of living expenses, uh, our emergency fund, uh, that's been uh, stashed in a high yield savings account while well, it was previously high yield at about 2% with one of the online banks. And, and now it's rate uh, recently... offering a
1: puny 1. 1.1 1 or
4: something? It's offering 0. 0.4 now, uh, which is not Ooh. great. And uh, I heard you uh, mention on the show recently that you keep your personal buffer fund in municipal bonds. I was wondering if that's a strategy that we should consider or if we should stay put in the hopes that that interest rate will bounce back at some point.
1: All right, so we got a couple of things to talk about. One is if you do stay online bank, you need to change your online bank because I'm looking at rates around the country and rates are generally still available at about 1.15 to one35 so if the online bank you're with is paying 0.4, you need to fire them and go to another online bank that's paying a higher rate.
4: Yes, that's
0: very doable.
1: Yeah, very easy. You can, you can get the money moved fairly quickly and get the new account set up and get a better deal. So the municipal bond thing is a different kind of animal. I have the good fortune in my life that I'm in a maximum tax bracket so municipal bonds are really important to me because I avoid the federal taxation. Still pay state income tax, but don't pay federal on my municipal bonds. And I do funds instead of individual bonds. And I do all the municipal bond funds I do, I do with Vanguard because they're the lowest cost player. Now, the, that's how, why I do it But the downside for you is with interest rates being as low as they are, when interest rates start to recover, the value of your bond funds will decline because that's just the way it works. Bond funds work in a way that as interest rates rise, the value of a bond or a bond fund goes down. When interest rates lower, the value of a bond or bond fund rises because To get another buyer, they want to get what the current market interest rate is. So it is a totally different level of risk than what you have in an online savings account. So where the online savings account is um, taxable, the value is always what you put in it plus what you earn. And with a municipal bond fund, that's not how it plays. Now you can go in was known as a uh, municipal money market fund where the value is stable it's always a dollar a share essentially and you earn whatever interest you earn but if you go into a longer term like a short term or intermediate term municipal bond fund you have the risk that you could end up with less money at the end of the day than you started with I don't know if that made sense
4: Oh yeah, no, I that doesn't sound like the right choice for our, you know, our rainy day fund. So uh, yeah, I might want to investigate these money market funds or a different online bank. Thank yeah, you go so to, much, Mark. Yeah,
1: uh, with the with the online banks. When you go to Bankrate.com, that does at this point that I know of the best survey. The first things you see in big bold type are people that pay for listing first. And then you can go below that and you'll see the longer list of the best rates in the country, not based on who's paying them for listing and be able to pick one to move your money to. Have a great day and get out of that 0.4% account. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show.